0: Love Talk Radio Sometimes you gotta create what you want to be a part of Sometimes you gotta create what you want to be a part of Good morning, you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show Off the Shelf Thank you for tuning in with us on this Saturday This is our last Saturday in October, you guys I mean, the holiday season is fast approaching Not only that it's coming around, wrapping up a new year, you know, at the beginning of the year, the beginning of anything, the start of something. We're so excited, the start of a job, the start of a relationship, the start of going to college or whatever path we choose. Oh, we are excited at the beginning. We People are excited at the beginning of a spiritual journey. We are so pumped up and excited, whether it's a weight loss, fitness, oh, we are really pumped, pumped, pumped up at the start of it but it's near the middle and the end. We start dragging our feet. Some of us have quit. We ain't still going. We don't have that same enthusiasm, and then we wonder why we never attain anything. You got to go all the way through, and sometimes you got to create what you want to be a part of, but you have to keep your enthusiasm and your motivation throughout. So as we come to the End of the year Are you checking your goals Are you Whether you wrote them down Or it's a mental goal That you have To make sure you are on track To get what it is That you want That you want to be a part of That you want to create To share with others And I'm waiting for our guest To join us And I checked in with her last week She said she's been for months Waiting to dial in And connect with you guys Hear it Off the Shelf, so waiting for her to, to dial in and join us this morning. I always say this on Off the Shelf, and if anything, the show has taught me is stay open and be flexible and don't make assumptions, because I have no idea when guests are late why they are late. It could be on an emergency, so just lift them up in prayer, and I've learned to be flexible, open, and keep it moving. So, yes, I want to welcome you to our Saturday, October the 26th. 2019 show and thank you For joining us we do have a Wonderful guest on deck for you When she joins the show But I also want to ask you Listeners How good of a mystery sleuth are you Are you one of those people You can finger the person Who's responsible For a a, a Crime or something that Has happened it might not be a murder But something that's happened you know just who did it. I love those kind of shows, especially when the author's trying to kind of lead you along, either they're trying to lead you off the path of who really did it or point you to it. And shows like, I love Columbo. Columbo literally shows you at the beginning just who did what, but you don't know all the little complicated intricacies, why they did it, exactly exactly how they did it. And you get to watch Columbo as he figures it out, as he puts pieces together that aren't revealed at the beginning that makes you understand what happened even better. That is one of my favorite mystery shows. But if you love mystery and you think you can figure the person who's responsible for a murder mystery that cloaks Raymond and his friend's life, I encourage you and challenge you, go to Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, or any offline bookseller or online bookseller and get a copy of love pull over me by denise Tony. see if you can figure out the answers to these and other real life questions before it's revealed in the book next question how much do you value relationships and love and how long would you wait to experience a once-in-a-lifetime romance the kind of romance that can open you up to brilliance and in insight that only a few thousand if not only a few million people get to enjoy How long would you wait? How long would you keep working for it? Would you wait as long as Raymond and Brenda? Would you think it was worth it? If the love that you wanted didn't come right away, but it was sure to come, didn't come right away, but it's sure to come, if that's you, you value value that type of soulmate, true love, however long it takes, for each person to keep working in their own lives until they're ready to come together. I encourage you to read Love for Over Me. And, and your deep-seated beliefs, desires and perceptions about romantic love might surprise you. I encourage you to get a copy of Love for Over Me. There's also a complicated father-son relationship in the story, and there's these there's this friendship and many friendships are between men, but these are between these not not a woman friendship like with Tyler Perry sisters and girlfriends, and you've seen so many movies and friendships amongst women, but these are amongst guy, guys men, and they meet in college, and it lasts them you know, throughout their lifetimes. You value friendships, relationships are very important to you and you love a good, suspenseful, gripping, face turning mystery, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me right now. You can get it in ebook, or you can get it in print. And let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And I'm still waiting for our guest to join us this morning. So in the absence of our guest, hopefully she will... She reached out to me several weeks ago. Are we still on? Absolutely. And when I reached out to her this week, as I remind all of our guests, she said, oh, I'm so looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to the show for months. But, again, maybe something came up, and that's why she's not on right now. I am going to uh, shoot her an email really quickly. And even while I'm doing that, I've got to keep talking. This is one of the joys being a radio host, one of the joys. So let me remind her again to tune in to today's show. Um, she says she's gonna be here, and she's a uh, she's been on our show before. Uh, she's a wonderful guest. Let me just tell her, please dial in now. This is not not what you want on your radio show. Is not what you want on your radio show. I'm trying to type and talk and keep the show going all at the same time. I tell you, if you ever do your own radio, you'll know what to expect sometimes. TV shows, uh, the ones you see off, you know, on television, they I, th- I think they got to have backup guests. They have backup guests in case something happens with the primary guest, And we, the viewer, generally never know. Unless there's a back a guest that they've really advertised, uh, then they might have several. Like Johnny Carson would have three or four guests come on. So that way if one guest doesn't show up or they're late, it's not good for their career. But if they don't show up or they're late, he can keep the show going. So, But we have one feature guest on every single week on Off This Show. So what I'm going to do in the absence of our guests dialing in right now I'm actually going to read from uh, "Love Pour Over Me," and I'm trying to think of a section where I'm going to start reading. Okay, this is this is I'm 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 midway through. I'm almost midway through, but I'm not at like a cliffhanger scene. But I'm midway into "Love Pour Over Me" on page 143, and this might be the deepest I've gone on a reading. Of love for over me before And what's happening is Brenda has met Raymond And again they're soulmates And they meet in college I'm not going to get a story away But her, her sister and her are very close So Brenda she, she grew up in Tennessee And she's very laid back She and her sister are very different Her sister is high fashion She is truly high fashion So they're very different But they love each other Her, But Brenda is more. Um, she's more. You can tell she's the younger sister, and her older sister has sort of been dominant. But again, they're good. They're good friends. They love each other. But you can tell their older sister has been dominant. So uh, Brenda, uh, Brenda's older sister has picked her up from the airport in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm, I'm gumming through in the middle of a conversation that they're having, and she says, "And I am telling you that Byron." and this is a guy that Brenda used to date, or she's currently dating, but they're having some difficulties. I am telling you that Byron is your dream. Byron is from good people, she peered at Brenda. For goodness sake, Mama went to school with Byron's mother. You know that. Open your eyes, B. Relationships take work, hard work, she added before she said. You're going to get hurt if you do not open your eyes. Maybe you're the one who has her eyes closed, Brenda offered. She almost regretted saying the words. She'd long been familiar with Virginia's, her sister's name is Virginia, with Virginia's temper. I see your mind is made up, Virginia declared. She waved her hand through the air. When this does not know how to have fun, serious man breaks your heart. Don't come crying to me. She pursed her lips. You and Byron have been together for three years, and what do you know about this Raymond family? Have you met his mother? Have you met his father? Does he have any siblings? You'll learn how important that question is. I haven't met them. I told you I've only known Raymond a few months. And you know he's good enough to leave Byron for it? Brenda was silent. I remember the day you came home from school and told me you met Byron, Virginia grinned. She relaxed her shoulders into the sofa fellows. You were so happy. You even told Mama before you told me. Byron is the one who loved you first. She looked right at Brenda. Images of Virginia crying on her shoulder after she discovered her first romantic love, a 15-year-old boy cared for another girl flashed across Brenda's mind. Out of breath and distraught, all those years ago, Virginia had told Brenda about the incident as soon as she raced through their parents' front door. Back then leaves hung like long ornaments from the weeping willows spread about their parents' estate. On that afternoon, an ice cream truck rang its way up the street. Virginia trying to turn the page. Virginia had walked to the boy's house to pay him a visit. She gazed through the boy's front bay window when she neared the porch. The boy was sitting on the sofa with a curvy sophomore. The girl's hair was styled in tight cornrows. The boy Virginia swore she loved and would spend the rest of her life with had his arms around the girl. Their mouths were pressed together. Their eyes were closed. They looked like they were soaking up a dream. It's sweet juice going down down deep inside of them while the couple kissed virginia raced away from the house she ran until her sneakers echoed against the sidewalk and her breath caught like a dry cough in her throat by the time she reached her own home four blocks away she was sobbing what's wrong brenda had asked from her place on the living room sofa as soon as virginia burst through the front door what's wrong she asked again while she wrapped her arms around virginia the way the boy had wrapped his arms around the girl she held her sister as if her arms were paper and she was covering a gift she rocked Virginia until her sobs and cries of unfairness subsided. After she washed a fork full of mixed, mixed vegetables down with ice water, Brenda snapped, I'm not Eugene, I'm not your first boyfriend, so you don't need to try to make me pay for what he did. Even if you think I don't have enough more fiber not to sleep around, you don't have to look down on me. Forget Eugene, Virginia said. This guy's father is probably some bootlegger. His mother probably didn't even finish high school. That's Virginia, y'all. <laughs> you don't know them, Virginia. You have no right to talk about people like this. We weren't brought up like that, and you know it. What if this guy's into some trouble? She sat up and examined Brenda's face. Remember Rochelle? Yes. She was one of those coolest, most had it together women in the neighborhood. She left her boyfriend of five years, took up with this guy she barely knew from her job, and now she's a statistic. Brenda turned away from her. I'm not like that, and you know it. He beats the life out of her two, three times a week. But, oh, Virginia grinned. He started out like a prince. Brenda rolled her eyes. She loved her sister. They'd always been honest with each other, even to the point where what they said cut like it was doing now. They always mended their wounds and went on like they were thick as thieves. Yet Virginia's attacks on Raymond were going too deep. Oh, and Morgan. Remember her? Yes, sir, Brenda said in a lazy, seesaw kind of way. Smart as a whip, model like pretty, feisty, feisty too. Morgan had fire in her. She and Daryl started dating in what? The 11th grade? Yes, Brenda, Brenda nodded sloppily. The 11th grade. What did she do? She went to college, met this smooth-talking guy, dropped old like a hot potato, and moved in with this other man. Three kids and four years later, Morgan found out, this jerks a rage and alcoholic. Those social drinks turned into one too many. Morgan and her kids have been down to the women's shelter twice in the last year. But, oh, Virginia saying it started out like a dream. Okay, Brenda shouted, I'll ask Raymond about his folks. I bet they're good-loving people. Raymond's that way. He goes to church on Sunday and Wednesday. He's the reason I started going to church again. And you know Mama always told us, find a man who loves the Lord and you found a good man. She purposely avoided telling Virginia about recent changes she noticed in Raymond, his sudden increased religious loyalties, and his insistence that they avoid being too intimate, thus tempting him. With sex, advice she'd overheard Bishop Morgan Raymond the Sunday after she met him. Brenda hid her concern. As she traveled down the hallway with Virginia, Brenda, Brenda hid her concern behind a wide grin. You know what they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Virginia smirked. This is what I'm scared of. What if his father has a criminal record? What if his mother's on drugs? You know how bad that, cra- that crack has spread. First his dad was a bootlegger, and now, had this man even offered to, to have you meet his family? Brenda's tongue caught in her mouth. He hasn't, Virginia said, answering her own question. And you have not, e- and you have not even thought about it. Isn't it odd to you that this man has not offered to introduce you to his family? We just met, Brenda stammered. Okay, I will give you that, Virginia said. But let me ask you this. What are his parents' names? After two months, a man will tell you that unless something is wrong back home she didn't give Brenda time to respond for all you know he came to Philadelphia to escape a dark past glad to hear you be so positive brenda remarked derisively since since we're not going to agree on this why don't we just watch why don't we just watch some tv then get to the smoky mountains tomorrow we can go shopping in pigeon forge her gaze went up and across the room a flock of birds lifted off a tree and flew in front of Virginia's living room window. Then the birds flew further up across the sky. Brenda followed them with her gaze for as far as she could, which was the start of Virginia's neighbor's front yard. Let me check and see if our guest has joined us. Uh, Hopefully we're like 15 minutes into the show, but let me see if she has joined us. Myrna?
1: Yes, I'm here. I wasn't able to get through until just now.
0: Oh, you couldn't get through.
1: No, I don't know what happened.
0: I, have to I dialed the a number and
1: I just got a dead, you know, dead. So it just now went wow. through at a quarter of or quarter after.
0: Okay, and let me check with the show cuz we have other callers who did get through. So let me check with the shows. Uh, okay. producers why you couldn't but I want to introduce you to our to our listeners here. So, I want to thank our guests for joining us this morning. And I just finished a, a a short reading from Love Pull Over Me, but we want to introduce you to our special guest. So, our special off the shelf guest this morning is Myrna Goldbaum, and we want to thank her for continuing to try to get through until she was able to get through. Not sure why she couldn't, but I will check what our producers. But, Myrna is an author and master psalmist. She attended Ohio University, where she majored in radio, TV, journalism. And books that Myrna has written include May I See Your Hand, Cruise to the Other Side, Soulmate Connections, and Diary of a Palm Reader. And I encourage you to visit Myrna online at MyrnaLoopPalmistry.com. And that's M-Y-R-N-A-L-O-U. P A L M I S T R Y dot com, and I'll spell it again for you M Y R N A L O U P A L M I S T R Y dot com. And we're absolutely delighted that Myrna got through and is joining us this morning. So, welcome to Off the Shelf, Myrna.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here finally.
0: And so, I want to kick off the show with a few questions that we asked. Each of our guests, um, before they, so we can get a little backstory, the listeners can get a little backstory on you before we launch into your books and other things that you're doing. So, to begin, Myrna, can you tell our off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up?
1: Well, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. I went to Fairview High School. Then I went to college in Athens, Ohio at Ohio University. And all during that time, I was doing poem reading because I started when I was 10. So they say, write what you know about, so I've been writing about palm reading ever since. So my first book is called May I See Your Hand, and I teach classes out of that. And the kind of palmistry that I do is very easy to learn. It's called Oriental. It comes from China, so it's not Hindu. Then <clears throat> I, didn't, I wrote that in 1996, and I got it published in 97 with a lady who's now out of business, so I have the copies of that book. Then I didn't do anything for 10 years because I was working and raising two small children plus my son. And um, I ended up writing Soulmate Connections in 2003. Then it came out in 2004. And then I wrote Diary of a Palm Reader. That was 2004. And then I waited a while and I wrote Cruise to the Other Side, which is my first novel. It's a paranormal novel with a palm reader in it. So I've actually been writing ever since the fourth grade. Wow,
0: the fourth grade. What drew you to palm reading? What attracted you to that?
1: Well, what happened, I probably never would have gotten into it, but my mother was a nurse at a hospital. I showed up after school for a ride home, and she couldn't leave because the next shift couldn't make it or didn't show up. So I got noisy, and she grabbed a book off of the volunteer wagon and just said, here, sit down and read that. And I had to sit there for eight hours but I think she gave me dinner in between there. So it happened to be a book on palmistry, which she didn't look at the title or the author or anything. She just said, here, read this. So I started looking at it, and I couldn't understand the verbiage. It was way over my head, but every pic- every page had a picture on it. And I got involved with studying the pictures, looking at my own hand, and I memorized them all. And then um, I started reading. My sister was number one. She was six years old. And I've been counting ever since. And as of last night, because I did a fair last night, I'm at fifty-six thousand nine hundred and eleven palms.
0: Wow! Oh my God, mom didn't even mom didn't even plan on this. No. <laughs> well, she asked me
1: if I was bored when she was eighty-nine, right before she passed away. She said, "Aren't you bored with this yet?" I said, "How could you get bored? Every hand is a story, and the stories are what I write. You know, so I like it." I'm still working, wow. and I'm going to be 80. Oh,
0: my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Myrna. And all these years starting from when your mother handed you a book. So yeah, that then me. I looked
1: for that book for 45 years, and I couldn't find it. So that's why I wrote my own. and That's where May I See Your Hand came from. But after I found the book, I lived near Boulder, Colorado at the time, and a man sat down at a fair, and I started reading his hand, and he says, I have a book written by a Chinaman, sounds just like you. And I said, was that book brown? He said, yeah. I said, does it have a hand on the front that kind of dips in? It's not like a flat thing. He said, how do you know about that book? He had it. So he gave it to me. And I gave oh my him my brand-new book that had just come out. But the thing was it validated everything I memorized and I'd been doing all this time. It was the exact same thing.
0: Now, do our brains create the lines? I know I've been told our yeah. brains... when you're in the womb,
1: with- when you, before you're born, you come out with a little tiny hand that has some lines on it, right? A newborn baby's got a wrinkly hand. But then the baby grows, has experiences... And then what happens is lines can change, they can stop, they can start, they can meander. So it's kind of a, an interesting thing because a baby's born one way, but you don't have to live what the lines say. You can change it.
0: I think a lot of people probably think like with uh, more astrology, you might think you can't change it, it's fate. But No, well, but every day,
1: don't you have experiences every single day?
0: Yes, yeah, so your brain is, yes. I mean, I don't and your think your brain, anything
1: that impacts the brain is going to impact the hand. That's right. That was the question. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. It shows up on your hand, but not immediately. So let's say that you were engaged, then you broke the engagement off. It's going to show on your hand, but it's not going to show the day you got the ring. It's going to show when you're grieving the loss of the relationship. It'll show you were engaged. Now you're not engaged. See?
0: But so it doesn't show, so does the, the, the um, for our listeners then, is it a way to for, foretell something that's going to happen, or is it just telling you about a past experience
1: you had? No, it's it's future, present, and past. But it doesn't say, don't get on the airplane, you're going to crash. It's not that kind of, you know, this isn't gypsy. This is scientific. Doctors use it, believe it or not. In 1967 in America, every medical school makes Interns or residents take one whole day at palm reading because a newborn ah. baby comes out, they can look at the baby's hand and see if it has a congenital heart problem or something.
0: Interesting, yeah, because it's the brain that that's that's. It's not like magic or something. It's little no, it isn't black yeah. magic
1: at all. And and, actually, and I think a lot of
0: people. A lot of people shy away from it because they think it is. They don't realize well, they're that afraid it. of
1: it because they're afraid what I'm going to tell them. I've seen murderers, and I look on their hand, and I don't say that. I say, I think I see you broke the law. Then they hold their leg up and show me their ankle bracelet. And then they tell me uh. why they killed a guy. And the reason maybe one of them played chicken where two cars drive at each other. You know, they just mm-hmm. aim at each other, and one car doesn't veer off, and he caused an accident. And then the guy died, so he had to go to jail because he caused that guy to die. Another man beat somebody up, and the man got in a coma and didn't wake up, so he killed somebody. But I get murderers, kidnappers, embezzlers, blackmailers, and I can write about every one of them. I just don't use their real name, you know. But so the diary of a palm reader has all that kind of stuff in it. Wow. It's pretty interesting. It, you know what? I'm glad
0: that we've made the brain connection, so it takes the the scariness out of it. That said, why would if if our brains are doing this, and if we're practicing awareness, how come we would be shocked at something that would show up in our palm that our brain is literally creating?
1: Because some people our, don't listen to the little voice in their head, that's why. You know, we all have a little voice that says, "Don't go over there," because if you go down that road, it's going to be a dead end. But you go down anyway, and you go, "Darn! I went down a dead end. Now I have to turn around." But if you listen to what your intuition—it's intuition—it's your inner child voice talking to you. If you listen to it, you make less mistakes.
0: Yeah, but it's—it's it's not always. Uh... No, but
1: it's called mindfulness. But the hand isn't going to show that you're going down a dead-end street. That's not, it shows life-threatening things, like if you have a disease. I once told a woman, I see that you have a lump in your left breast. She said, oh, no, it's just a mosquito bite. It's been there for 10 years. I said, then how come you don't wear a bra? She said, well, it irritates it. So I said, I think you better go have a little mammogram. And she says, I'm only 38. You don't need to go till you're 40. I said, I'll go with you if you're afraid to go, but you need to go tomorrow. Well, they took her breast off, and she died. It took four years, oh. but she passed away because she ignored that for ten years. If you have a lump, you go to the doctor. You don't pretend like it's not there. Yeah. See, so I could have saved her life if she would have gone, if I would met her ten years before. But then men have prostrate pro- child problems, and if I read their hand, I tell them, I think you need to go to the doctor. You go into the bathroom five times a night. I say, how do you know that? And I said it's right there on your hand shows bad sleep patterns, shows, you know, that you're having trouble that way. So they go, and they call me up, and they say, I hope you're happy. I had surgery. And I say, yeah, but you're here. <laughs> <laughs> See? So I write what oh. I know, and I know a lot of stuff. And now that I'm almost 80, I know a whole lot.
0: Wow. you it's know, And every one of
1: those 56,000 people that I've read, I've documented Wow.
0: Have so you ever just, had an instance where, you know, like years ago with the lie detector test, that again has to do with brain, your physiology, but some people have actually beaten that test. Have you ever of course had a they can, have,
1: yeah, because that's they're playing the game. <laughs> People that can beat a lie detector test know what to do to not show emotion. You know, they can hold it in. You can't fake your hand. It is what it is, you know. I get a lot of people who cry when I read them because I get them right in the solar plexus. I tell it like it is because I can't lie. I have to tell the truth. I can't just make something up that's, you know. I tell them, well, I see this and this and this, and I think you need to make a decision about your job. And they go, well, I don't like my job, but it's a paycheck. And I, I know that, but get your resume updated. You know, they need a little push out the door. I think sometimes people need a little nudge.
0: This is very important, I think, and I what you said, people need a nudge no, just to help our listeners. Um, somebody might like your mother seemingly giving you that book out of the blue. Somebody might. Pass through this show and hear something out of the blue. When people are shocked, and again, this is it's our own inner being creating this. It's like how could you be shocked to to hear this when it's you that's creating? Well, no, they
1: know I'm telling the truth. A lot of people go, "No, no, hon, that isn't true. No, that's a lie." And then when I get all done, they go, "Well, I lied. You were right." I get ninety to ninety-five percent right. That's pretty pretty good odds. So I miss a little I, bit because I'm not perfect.
0: My thing is not is I'm I'm thinking more of the of each of us as an individual, not not from more the palm reading side of it. Okay. How could if we're creating something from our brain or and people who who practice like the power of thought, they always tell us you have to practice awareness because nothing nothing happens out of the blue. You, they, yeah. Why, but why why are we shocked? When we're, when we're going down a path, you see people in a relationship. Well, they're not really
1: shocked. They know they did a bad thing or that they're not paying attention or they're not using mindfulness. So it isn't really shock. It's just they get surprised, I guess you could say. And they go, wonder why I did that. I shouldn't have done that. I know better. See? But your hand isn't going to tell you that you know better. What the hand tells you is what's coming what happened, and why you shouldn't make those same mistakes over again, because we all make mistakes. That's part of life too.
0: So, what advice would you give to a listener? Like you, you will, you will. Uh, we know about the subconscious mind. There are parts of our minds we're not consciously aware of, but you will see people going into the same abusive relationships, and when they they swear they're not going to do it again, the per- next person they meet is very nice and. Kind and considerate Because they draw
1: in It's like a magnet And they draw in needy people If they're the mother confessor If it's a woman Or they always keep going to the same type Because they don't know the other type So let's say somebody's been divorced three times And every time they married the person It was just like the one before Because that's what their system knows And what they need is to find a like Not an opposite And they always attract opposites in See, So they call me the soulmate specialist because that's the thing I love to talk about the most is love and romance. And um, so the book I wrote called Soulmate Connections, I had a TV show in Boulder or in Colorado. It was closer to Denver that um, I called it the same name, Soulmate Connections. It's on my website. People could look it up. It's on YouTube. It's all over. But um There are single people that say there's nobody out there, but I'm a romantic. I think there's somebody for everybody. Then there's people who say, I'm married 23 years. What do you see? And I go, well, you're lonely in your marriage. And they go, well, yes, I am. So and I say, well, you have to make a decision. Do you want to stay lonely, married, or do you want to be single and start over again? And they go, well, I can't start over. And I say, sure you can. You just have to have the gumption to know that you have to make a change. See, I think change is important. Same old, same old isn't very important. A lot of women grow and mature and the husband doesn't. He stays the same old, same old. And so then it's a mismatch. It's not um, balanced anymore. So that's when when I write books, I write about people that there's uh, 46 stories in the soulmate one and 42 stories in the diary. And both those books are, you could read like one story for half hour, put it down, pick it up the next day, read another one. A lot of people take them to work and read them on their break till they get through all the stories. So I wrote the books to help people, actually.
0: So how do, how do though, Myrna, it sounds really simple. Again, and I go back to like psychology where a therapist might work with somebody for years and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Because we have a Parts of our mind that we're not consciously aware of. How does a person, um, you say, the soul make connections? Is there somebody out there, first of all, that there's? A, I've heard a, a psychologist say there are probably thirty people that that you could enjoy a good relationship with. Uh, okay, the, here's the, what I believe: on the planet, <clears throat> but you're not going to meet all thirty of them.
1: You'll no, be you lucky only need to one. Be one of them. You just need You'll be one. Lucky That's to meet right. One of them. Okay, so what happens is you have to believe in reincarnation, first of all, which means you were here before on this planet and you were somebody else. Because to get a soulmate, it means somebody you didn't complete or finish your business with in another lifetime. And it means a different time zone, not this time. So let's say 100 years ago you were grandpa, because every time we come back, the sex changes. This time you meet somebody, you're so excited to be with that person, but it's grandma and grandpa saying hello. But it isn't because you're not grandpa, but you have the implant in you. You have the memory bank of when you were in another lifetime. You were with that person, and you didn't get to the hospital in time to say goodbye. This lifetime, you meet the person. Now you're the woman. They're the guy. But it's grandma and grandpa anyway. See? If I can understand it, anybody could get it. But it it means that you have to believe that there are other lifetimes that we all come back. So the average person could have four to seven experiences where they make a mate with somebody from another lifetime, and you only need that first one. If you get one, you don't ever have to come back. Next time when you pass, you just ascend to heaven, and you're done. But the hand shows on there. Once in a while, somebody will have two soulmate marks. It's very rare, but I've seen it a couple times. Sometimes people don't have it at all. I don't have it. My husband has it. It only takes one in a couple to be your soulmate. He's got the huge mark that I look for, and I look all the time. And my hand doesn't have it, but it doesn't. I don't have to have it because I'm on his hand. Uh, so we show up on the other person's hand.
0: So uh, for our listeners, could, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. Are yeah. oh, you showing up on... A, for our listeners who want to 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 read their own? If they wanted to see their own hand, or or some people might even be interested in reading another person, especially we talking soulmates. So, a lot of people doing background checks on people because we know folks will lie to you. But um, maybe somebody wants to say, hey, can I see your hand? Or somebody they're dating. And I'm not saying this for myself. Somebody that they're dating, they may want to see their hand. So,
1: yeah, they to check them out. And yeah. they're like,
0: you know what? I better stay away from that person. <laughs>
1: Right, they would know because the hand would show deceitfulness, a liar, a cheat, a sneak, a thief. It would show something right on there. Well, I do a little test with everybody when I read them. I make them write their name down, and I feel their handwriting. That has nothing to do with palm reading, but that's how I get in. So if I, the brain wrote it, right, your brain says to your hand, write that name real quick. She wants it. So they scribble their name down. So then I feel that, and I can tell what I have in front of me. Mm. Isn't that funny So they could print it or write it It doesn't matter The brain is what I'm really reading Right. So when I do it on the internet People take a picture of their hand With their phone or whatever And they send it to my email Which we haven't given out yet But it's com, And I was named for Myrna Loy Who was a movie star So it's spelled M-Y-R-N-A-L-O-U All one word And it looks like Mary Lou Only it's Myrna Lou and so um, I've talked to people from all over the world. I've talked to people in 93 countries so far. Wow. And I keep track of stuff so I know. And I've taught uh, 3,066 people palm reading. Are there,
0: are, there, are there like significant lines or things to look for on a person's hand? Or well, on there's own five hand. basic
1: lines we all have to start with. So there's a lifeline or you wouldn't be here. There's a love line, which means you've had experiences starting at age twelve all the way till now. There's um, work because we all work. Even if you stayed home and had children, you're working. <laughs> you know it means putting effort out. Then there's the bracelets, and that's at the uh, base of your wrist and the baby fingers shows the possibility of how many children a person could have so those are the five basic lines then there's a million symbols and the symbols everybody has some and some people have different ones but there, um, it starts out with X means good luck. And a lot of people have none at all. And I say, so you're a hard luck person. And they go, yeah, how'd you know that? I never am lucky. Then other people have a ton of them, and they win every contest they enter or every time they buy a lottery ticket, they won something. So the X is important. Then there's islands, and there's that means you're trapped or cornered, and I look for that on different places on the hand. Then there's dots, and a dot means you're stuck in the island that you got yourself into, which could be that person who was married all those years and afraid to get out on their own. Then there's um, ESP marking, which is intuition. intuition. And there's teacher's block, if a person could be a teacher. Just a minute. I just coughed. Okay, then there's just all kinds of symbols. So the soulmate symbol is down by the wrist on the hand itself. I look for that, and that looks like a pyramid or a pillow right on a person's hand. Then there's um, just millions of things that could be on a hand that are important to the person that I'm talking to. Wow.
0: How many years did it take you to where you really were, you you became?
1: One day. One day. I learned it that day when I was 10, and I've been doing it ever since, and I just got really good probably in the last 20 years, but when I was 16, the boys would hold their hand out and say, are we going to win the football game, and you can't see that on a hand, and i say, let me see, just a minute, (laughs) I got a lot of dates, (laughs) you know, because I was fooling around then, then when I got married, I did couples, I did benefits, I did stuff for schools, you know, just. I would be in fairs and little different things. Then um, in 1996, I got remarried, and my husband said, Why don't you quit work? I have enough money for everybody. You can just do this full-time if you want, instead of on the weekends or after work. So I said, Okay. He made a cookie monster. I ended up doing 70 hours a week, seven days a week for a long time. (laughs) And if you want to know why, I was on a radio show in Denver, and it was a drive-to-work time in the morning. And it was a very popular show, and I did palm reading on the radio, like I'm doing now, talking to you. And I booked 385 people from one show. It blew out their phone lines. They had a fire. They had, at that time, a little, uh, it was 96. They still had a uh, console phone thing where you stick the wire into the hole. forget what that's called. but like, And the operator would wear a headset, and the thing caught on fire. When I was leaving the building, I said, I smell smoke. And the receptionist says, yeah, that Myrna Lou got too many calls that blew up our
0: system. (laughs) Oh, God. God. What are the top three things that people want to know when they come to you for a palm reading? Well, if it's women, it's love and romance.
1: And if it's men, it's finance and job or money. Or what does their retirement future look like? Um, And most people want to know their health. Am I going to live uh, a long time and am I going to be infirm and in the hospital and dying of dementia or am I going to have all my faculties? And I can see that. So I just tell them, well, you're going into, huh?
0: No, go ahead.
1: I say, you're going into the 90s and you're sharp as a tack and still learning something every day, if that's what their hand says. Or I say, well, you're going to slow down and you'll probably have gray hair and sit on the couch more than you do now, but you'll be okay. So I never say to somebody, oh, my God, you're going to die in two weeks. (laughs) I can't see that. Anyway, that doesn't show up. It's not, the timing isn't what's important. It's the whole picture. Yeah. See, and I'm not a doctor, so I can't prescribe anything.
0: Have you ever read somebody's palm? and it was accurate, the reading, and then they came back 10, 20 years later, and their reading was different. Of they, course, they it's a different
1: six months later. Oh, okay. I tell people after six months they could have a little tune-up, and a lot of people do, because things change. You have stuff happen to you. Uh, maybe you lost a job, or maybe you your spouse passed away, or maybe some big thing that shows right up on your hand right away or you have a friend but you're married. <laughs> you know, I get that too.
0: Mm. Have you so, spotted trends? Uh, have you Myrna, have you spotted trends in certain age groups, professions or personalities while
1: um, <clears throat> Yeah, the trend is most people are curious so I do a hand test, too. I have people fold their hands up. So I don't know if you can do that while you're on the air, but if normally you would fold your hands if you're watching TV or you're relaxed. You just sit with your hands folded. So the finger, the thumb that goes up on top is what your personality shows me. So can you do that, mm-hmm. even if you have to put the phone down for a minute? Fold your hands up and tell me what thumb is on top.
0: When you say fold your hands, like put them together?
1: Yeah, put your fingers in between each other, you know, actually fold oh. them in each other. So
0: is
1: Which your left is thumb on top or your right?
0: Yes, the left.
1: I know that. <laughs> okay, so you're right-handed and so am I and the left thumb came up. Aren't you right-handed? Yes. I knew that too. Okay, so here's the thing. When the left thumb comes up first, it means you were born left-handed and somebody switched you either your mother or in school, somewhere you became a righty because we live in a right-handed world, but we came in as a lefty. So lefties do things a little different than other people, and you do. So it means you have a little flair, a little drama, a little something about you that's different than a plain old righty-righty. So a righty righty's okay. In fact, they're normal, <laughs> and it's easier for me to read a righty-righty because a lefty-righty, which is what we are, means you have two voices in your head, and they only have one. So we hear na-na-na-na, na-na-na-na nah, nah, from both sides, and they hear na-na-na-na. See? <laughs> you you get that?
0: <laughs> uh, I I think I followed you on that. I, I think I did. Never heard of that one before. <laughs> well, what it means, is, <clears> it means
1: we make more mistakes than they do because we don't know who the good voice is. Okay, but a lefty who used to be who's now a righty means we do a lot of creative things, so you write also, don't you? Mhm, so that's creative, so I write and I read people, so that's creative. there's artists, they're creative there's people who make jewelry that's sort of an art to it hairdressers it doesn't matter who it is <clears throat> if their brain is left brained plus right brained They're just different than a plain righty-righty. But a righty-righty is normal.
0: What about somebody who's left-handed and they were born left-handed?
1: Then they're supposed to be left. I've been married to three of them. And the thing is, I always gravitate to left-handed people because I'm one of them. So are you. (laughs) So it means that you would not find a like in a right-handed person. You'd have to find a like that's either like you now or who used to be a lefty who's now a righty, same as you.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot
1: to this. That's why I'm writing another book right now. And I just have to tell you, the name of it's going to be called What Happened on Emerald Deck. And it's a cruise ship, and every floor on a cruise ship is called a deck. And on Emerald Deck, there's a kidnapping by a nanny who is told by a palm reader in New York City to go out and get a job and go over water, and she'll make $100,000. And she figures out she can kidnap a newborn baby that's a couple months old, sell it in a foreign country, and then get back on the ship, and nobody will know. So I'm right up to the part. I'm halfway done, and I'm right up to the part where you call the FBI in. But you can only call them if it's in American waters. Foreign water wouldn't count, so I have to put the ship either in Panama or somewhere. Puerto oh, Rico okay. is America. <laughs>
0: so you see yourself, yeah. you see yourself drawing more towards. This is your second novel, so. You
1: yeah, well, I love, drawing, I thought it was fun writing. You know, I've always written nonfiction, so I wrote one fiction to see. And I had so much fun writing it. One night at 5 o'clock in the morning, my husband woke up. I was still typing away. And he says, have you been here all night? And I said, my God, what time is it? I was so into it, I didn't even go to bed. Wow. That's pretty good. That's
0: impressive.
1: Yeah. Okay, here's the best one. The first book I wrote called May I See Your Hand, I wrote it in one hour. You can't write a book in an hour. You even know that. But um, it was channeled, and I didn't even know what that meant back then. But channeled means somebody, God put it in my head, and it came right through God to me, and I wrote it longhand. Uh, And so it's got illustrations on every page. But the thing was, I didn't even know I did it. I went in my palm reading room that was in our basement, and I wrote longhand and threw every sheet down as I filled it up on the floor. Then I went to bed, and it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I went back to work the next day. And then that evening after supper, and I had done the dishes and everything, I ran down to throw a load in the utility room laundry. And I look, and there's papers all over the floor in my room. So I yelled to my husband, come quick, we've been robbed. So he runs (laughs) down there, and he goes, this is your handwriting. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh, that's funny!
0: Wow, Well, that's yes. how I started writing.
1: Yeah. So then we played the game called Concentration. You remember that game?
0: Yeah. You turn everything
1: upside down and try and match it up. So we had a big family room in an L shape, and we laid all those papers down on the floor. And then I turn one up and say, "Baby finger." He go, "Nope, I got the thumb." So we both put it down and try and find one that matched. And it took me probably a hundred hours to put the book together. Wow. But one hour of put, writing it out longhand.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And then now, can you they tell say us, Oh, uh, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. I want you to finish your, finish your thought. Oh,
1: well, they say go to, send a query letter out. So I sent it to 14 metaphysical publishers, and four of them wanted it. And that's sort of unheard of. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears> okay, so now, how the does one. This, And then... And this was okay. in what you said your first book came out in? What year was it? 97, 1997.
1: nineteen ninety-seven. I'm still selling them, and I'm still doing palm reading, teaching, and all that. So that one came out. Astro- Go ahead.
0: How does a, how does astrology, looking at the this the your birth date, your birth time, and astrologists say they're very accurate? How does astrology and palm reading?
1: They it's don't a go together. but here's the
0: science. How do right, they differ? How is. are they?
1: <clears throat> well, they look at how the the planets align, and your birthday, and what your rising sign and all that stuff is. I look at the birthday for a different reason. I say to somebody, when's your birthday? You say, September. I say, okay, three months. You're now 26 years old, we'll say. So I'll say three months from September, which would be October, November, December, you're going to be 27. They go, no, no, I just turned 26 last month. I say, you don't understand. Your mother carried you for nine months. So you take those nine months, plus you add three to your birthday. After your birthday, you're the next number. I have to read their brain so i'm reading the hand lines and the brain that made them and you're right the brain makes them so i have to know what to be accurate i have to be in the right time zone so a lot of people lie about their age they go oh i'm 70 <laughs> and i know damn well they're 75 but they just tell me they're 70 and i can look at the hand and see they already passed that <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> oh my so god so i don't
1: say anything and then when we're all done they go well i forgot to tell you i'm 75
0: <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I picked, you picked that up.
1: Do you yeah. find,
0: though, that, that we, somebody comes to you palm reading and <clears throat> you think they want to know the truth. Do you find that people do withhold information or they'll change something? They they will Well, lie some to people it. are
1: shy and they can't talk to me. And I'll say, I see that you're in my appointment book. Your name is Sue. Susan, do you go by Sue or Susan? And they look at the floor and they go, Sue. And that's all I get out of them the whole time. So I need uh, the back and forth, I need the talking, I need the confirmation, I need the person to say, Yeah, that's right, or no, that isn't right. But when they say no and if they're fibbing I could tell because I can see on the hand. <laughs> so uh, you can't really fool me. You know. Yeah.
0: How long does a reading take? If somebody's doing a reading with you in person, uh in how person long does that I do take? hour or
1: half hour. So an hour one it's in depth any way you look at it because it's personal and it's for the person, so it's very intense. It's not you will meet a tall dark stranger. I tell them where they have to go, how to meet them, uh, how long they're going to be dating until they get engaged. I got the whole story. So I really, just, um, you can see
0: all that from a person's palm.
1: Yeah. I could go 4 hours on one if I wanted to. But I charge 100 an hour and some of my friends go, "Oh no, you should charge more." And I said, "Well, I would charge what I would pay if I was going to me. And if I was coming to get a reading, I would be willing to pay 100 for me, but I wouldn't pay 140 or 180 like some of my friends, I have an astrologers, 160. I don't think I would pay 160 for a reading.
0: They, so and then know, when I do a
1: half-hour one in person, I offer it for 50 But if a person gets a half-hour, and they go, oh, no, you have to do the whole thing. I need the whole story because they only get half of it. Yeah,
0: can't so you can't do it all in a half-hour. You can look at somebody's palm. I find that amazing. And you can see if they have a soulmate. And you can tell them, you need to go to Texas. And you'll be there for two years. You're going to meet
1: somebody. No, no, no. I say you have a soulmate waiting in the wings. They're in New York, but they're coming here to give a lecture. Go to a lecture in something you're interested in. And afterwards, you'll meet the person or go shake their hand and tell them you like the lecture. That's who you're going to end up with. I have three scrapbooks. They're about four inches thick, full of nothing but wedding invitations. I can't go to all those weddings, so I just send them a little check. (laughs) Because a lot of them I put together, but I moved to Florida uh, five years ago, and I don't know that many people that I can fix up here. But I fixed up a whole lot. They call me the matchmaker, but I don't do it as matchmaking. I do it as soul matching.
0: Now I've heard that soulmates and you you go and people think the soulmate relationship is just smooth and easy and no, it isn't. <laughs> but I've heard that those are can be the most they can challenge us the absolute most.
1: Well, you know what happens. There's days you love every the person to pieces, and the next day you want to rip every hair out of their head, and then then you're back to you love them to pieces again. But that's normal. That's a regular thing. But a soulmate means you've already had bickering, competition, sexual tension, frustration. You did all that in another lifetime, so now it's got to be a lot better. Because you don't need that. Now you're more mature. You're growing forward together. And the change comes because you've already done all that and you know you don't need that. So you already now, accomplished a lot.
0: Considering there are over 7 billion people, and it's interesting that women, the, the, one of the um, main questions that women ask you is about relationships, love, and relationships, and men, mm-hmm. and finances, and work, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what our, the men Our, our main yeah. focuses are so different. You wonder how we ever make it work it's, it's th- th- that they're so different. But considering that there are more than 7 billion people on the planet, do soulmates always find each other?
1: No. Sometimes people are looking their whole life and they never find it. Sometimes people have more than one because they come together to complete something They make babies and they get a divorce because that was in the works too, because now they completed what they came to do and then they go forward. They go do something else. Okay,
0: okay. Are there and then I wanted to ask you, are there signs that uh, people really shouldn't be together? Like, just don't do it. Don't even consider it. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's there's red flags or what I call them, and it shows. just for an example, last night I did a woman at an outside fair. It was raining on us. It was terrible, but I did it anyway. And um, she says, I'm getting ready to get married. I'm 31. I said, great, but why is he in jail? She says, how do you know that? Well, it's all over her hand. She visits him in jail. I said, I don't think I'd marry that person if he's, his scruples aren't so good. He did some business things that weren't so good, and he got caught. So she said, yes, he did. So I said, mm-hmm. why do you think you need to marry him? She said, well, we were engaged before he did it. I said, well, get unengaged now unless you want to end up with somebody who goes to jail again because he's not a uh, straight shooter.
0: Wow. See? And hopefully hopefully she'll
1: listen. Cause no, she's not going just, to. She's not. We don't she's going to marry him. It shows on her hands they're going to have a distance. marriage. Yeah, it's going to be a marriage and a, a divorce. Bit. I can't stop it you know i just tell her yeah
0: think he i said what do your parents Thomas.
1: think she well she's 31 she said my parents don't enter into it i'm doing this so i said i know but you'd never been married you were holding out for the prince now he's in jail when he gets out if you marry him you got a jailbird he can never get a job you know doing what he was doing before he was making 100,000 a year so she has the big engagement ring but the problem is now nobody will do business with him because he's got that, he's tainted now see Mm, 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 so i said unless you want to be the teacher and you have to go out and work every day until you're old enough to retire and take care of them so she said okay so her hand says they're getting married and within a year there'll be a divorce
0: wow oh my goodness i didn't tell her that where can off the shelf listeners get a copy of your books
1: Uh, All my books, I have them all, and they can email me and ask for them. And and, uh, if they look up my website, they'll see pictures of each one of them, and they can order it for me. They can get them on Amazon. They can get them at Barnes & Noble. I don't know if Books A Million has them. I think they have to special order. But um, the May I See Your Hand is out of print because the publisher went out of business. So that book I'm selling out of the house here. And I just had it reprinted at least three times. I have to do it again. Wow. I'm down. And I'm teaching a class in my house on November 16th, and I'll be I'm sorry, using you that teaching book. A
0: class? Where, where are you teaching your class at again? In, in my Florida? kitchen,
1: in <laughs> my own house.
0: Oh, oh, okay. So you're teaching a class. Do you have any public speaking events where you go, where you're, where you're at, where our listeners who might be interested in seeing you in well, person?
1: Tonight I'm working in a town called Bradenton. It's about an hour north of where I live, but I'm not making a talk there. I'm working for a Halloween party. So um, when I give, I work in fairs, and on November 30th, I'm in a fair in Naples, which is a uh, big resort town in Florida, and I'm giving a talk there on soulmates. And that's a psychic fair, and it's called the Mystic uh, Fair, and this woman that puts it on puts it on twice a year in March and also around Thanksgiving. So November 30th, I'm giving a talk at the Mystic Fair. And when I give a talk, sometimes eight people come and sometimes 500 come. You never know.
0: Mm. But you if you know talking? your subject, oh go ahead. You know,
1: I know the subject matter, so it doesn't matter how many's in front of me. I just do my thing.
0: And and are you on any social media networks? If so, can you let our li- listeners know where they can find you on social media? They can
1: find me on Facebook, and it's facebook.com/slash Myrna Lou Goldbaum, and it's M-Y-R-N-A-L-O-U-G-O-L-D-B-A-U-M, or facebook.com Myrna Lu- Myrna Goldbaum without a Lou in the middle. Then. um I'm on Twitter and all kinds of other places, but I only work on Facebook. I mean, that's where I do the most talking um, back and forth. And I have uh, over 4,000 friends on Facebook.
0: Facebook for our listeners. So we want to thank Myrna, Myrna Lugo for being here with us. She is an author, a master, psalmist. She attended Ohio University, where she majored in radio, TV journalism, and books that she has written include *May I See Your Hand*, *Cruise to the Other Side*, *Soulmate Connections*, *Diary of Palm Reader*, and she has a new book that she's working on now. Encourage you to visit her online at com and that's M-Y-R-N-A-L-O-U-P-A-L-M-I-S-T-R-Y.com. Thank you, Myrna, and I'm glad you kept trying to get through
1: until you finally got through the show. Well, I and got dead you. air, and then I got through. But let me tell you, I give 50% discount to anybody that tells me they heard this on your show. So instead of 100, I would do the hour one for 50.
0: Okay. So, All right, so listeners. Listeners, you heard. You said 50%. Just tell them you tuned. You heard Myrna Lou uh, Gold bomb on Off the Shelf, 50% off. Instead of $100 for an hour, you can get... And and the palm reading is just telling, she's just reading what your brain has already put on your hand. It's not magic or anything. It's, It's what your brain has put on your hand based on your experiences, like going to a psychotherapist who's good at working with the mind. They can look into your subconscious and see things they may or may not tell you. It's not magic. It's already in your mind. So she's just reading what your brain is putting out on your hands. We want to thank... Myrna Lou Goldbaum for being here with us. And our listeners, as I always tell you, you are amazing. You are incredible. You're awesome. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Myrna, thank you so much. I'll shoot you an email. And thank you for having
1: me. I'm glad I made it through.
0: I am too. And I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Bye for now.
1: Okay. Bye bye.